Welcome and thank you for joining Save Our Sisters Unplugged. If you're looking for a sisterhood of intelligent women to network with, then this is a podcast for you. We'll be letting our hair down and spilling all the tea on an array of topics and gain insight into what women really think. My name is Noreen Foy and I'll be your host. Now let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Save Our Sisters Unplugged podcast. This episode is a continuation of the fatherhood series. As I said, I felt it's so important to hear the male perspective on common issues. That said, today's guest is a quality and manufacturing engineering manager. He is the brainchild behind a community podcast, which is designed to tackle topics surrounding mental health. Finally, he takes pride in his most important job, which is being a dedicated husband and a very hands-on father. It is my pleasure and my honor to introduce Mr. Clive Vantapool. Welcome to the Queen's Domain. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. How are you guys doing today? Oh, you know what? We're doing well. Uh, you know, we had some things just sprung on us at last minute, but you know, we're in recovery. Yep. <laughs> we're in recovery. But it is an honor to have you here with us. I'm glad we could finally connect so we can sit here for this interview today. So you ready? Yes, ma'am. Let's go. Let's jump in. So, you know, any trauma that we've had as adults, you know, a lot of it comes from things that have happened to us in our childhood. So who was in your family dynamic growing up? Uh, for me, it was mainly um, started from my mom's side. So I grew up mainly in a home with just females. Basically, my mom, my aunts, and my grandma um, originally. Um, and then I think from, I think that's for a while. And then eventually, um, I guess as I got older, as a little kid, you don't remember much about your dad and stuff like that, right? It's just like, oh, this, this is your dad after a while, you know? As you get older, you're like, oh, okay. Um, but as I got older, um, I, and my mom, by you know, my mom is a police officer in the Virgin Islands, right? So when she eventually decided to go into that, training was in Barbados. So obviously that's when I moved. Um, my mom moved me to Anagata, which is my dad's um, parents. So that's when I really got, oh, sorry, your uncle didn't leave my house. But to have a full male figure that's looking up for me is when I move into my grandparents in Anagata. So that male figure of a leader and stuff like that is when I started seeing that right? Growing up. So that was my dynamic as a little kid and getting into my teenager years. Um, a few years in, I moved to the States and then that's when I started seeing more um, of my dad and stuff like that. But I think we were cordial at the time, never had issues as I could think about as a little kid, but I never really saw or understand what a father figure was at the time, right? Okay. So as you get older is when you really start to dissect and kind of look at different things and realize, okay, so is this right or is this wrong kind of thing? You know what I mean? Right. So, so you that, never had a relationship with your father at all? The only time I was seeing him, if it's like, um, if he used to come in, I'm, the time I can remember as a little kid, I don't remember the age. Maybe I was maybe five, four or five or six years old. I remember him one time coming to the house. Uh, and that was the first time I remember as a child him okay. in memory wise right and then when i started to go to the states more often that's when i started seeing him more only time when i go to the states when i go to the states then i would be with him at the time but you know he would go and take me out go different places like that and then after the vacation is finished you know i'll come back home kind of thing you know what i mean so mm -hmm. um as i got older i realized like okay it has to be more to this then, okay, I see you and I come on vacation. And most of the time he's working. Oh. You know, so most of the time it's like I'm there, but then he's not there. And if he's there, then I go with him for some place for a short period of time and we come back. We never really had that in my mind now as an older adult, um, a true father time with their child kind of thing. That makes sense. Right. Like that bonding time, yeah. like when people go fishing. Yeah, exactly. Never had that time to like really talk and got taught things that you think boys should learn from their father. Yeah. So now, now it's like, and I realized, okay, maybe that's how it is. I don't know. Right. Hmm. So as I got older, um, I don't remember the whole situations of past, but long story short, me and fell out like big time. Oh, wow. Um, 
it got to a point where it was anger, not a simple anger. Like if I see you, I'm going to hit you anger type of stuff. Like that's how bad we kind of got. Right. Right. And I was the point, you know what? I don't, I don't have time for this. Right. So moving back home and doing my thing and stuff like that. And actually the last time I saw him is when I was there and I went to school in Kentucky. That was the last time I saw him during that time frame, right? Mm -hmm. So did my school thing. And then instead of me moving back to Miami, went straight back home. Did you guys repair your relationship at all? Like, are you comfortable <laughs> sharing what the problem yeah, yeah. was? So how it was is for years, like never really, and I'll be honest, didn't care too much about it, right? Because now I realize as I got older is that that's not how you're supposed to be as a father to your kids kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So fast forward now, it's like after meeting my wife, to be honest, is my wife is who got that change for me. Okay. So at full scope, me and her, and it wasn't a similar situation where we don't keep two hoops about your dad kind of thing, kind of, right? you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So when me and her started to date, that's when she and her dad rekindled. And oh, okay. then she's like, hey, and she realizes that you only have one parent, one dad and one mother, right? Passes the past, regardless. If you can't rekindle everything fully, you can at least have a conversation, stuff like that. So it took a minute and she's always like, you got to call your dad. You got to call your dad. So uh, because through her is why I'm okay to have conversations with him without having to be having an anger like I used to. So mm -hmm. fast forward now, it's like I told myself, well, I would never, I think every dad has said it, I believe this statement here, I will never be like you. Mm. If I have kids, I will never be a father like how you've been to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when um, we had our firstborn, Zion, I mean, I spoiled her. Like, it was no such thing as, uh, no, you can't. Or, no, you can't have this. So in my mind, it's like, okay, be there for her. Give her everything she needs and she'll be good. Right? Mm -hmm. Um. And then that's the time I was really working a lot. So in my mind, I work, work, work. And then uh, my wife and my daughter, I just kind of just read the benefits kind of, right? Right. So in my mind, as long as I'm working, I can provide the bills are paid and I'm there. It's good. Right. Right. But I never really realized it's more to that than just physically being there and financially being there and, you know, stuff like that. Right. So that was kind of like your learned behavior due to the status of the relationship between your father and yourself. What kind of father did you want to be? I think it's anything opposite of what I had. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. You know what I mean? It's like, um, I'm, I'm, I make sure I'm physically there all the time. Right. Make but sure. you ended up doing the same thing that he did. Yeah. So it's like, as, as you get older, you realize it's not the exact same, but it's still the same. You're working. You're not you're providing. Right. But then you're not emotionally there. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so fast forward now, right? So your wife is married. Now we have three kids. So we have our oldest and we have the twins. Mm -hmm. And I've, as a dad or as a person, you learn every day. You evolve to be better every day. Oh, right. Yeah. So it's like, as I learn and my wife says certain things, like it never, like she, she meant certain things to me. And like, I'm like, wow. And I will have to dissect it. Like, what are you talking about? I'm here. She said, no, it's, it's more than just being here. Yeah. And I was like, uh, as a dad is like, you're always have to evolve or adapt to changes. You with have your to kids. be very open. And it's not easy. I'm like, Flat out, it's not easy. It's, you know it's I mean? not. It's not. And you think in your mind that, okay, um, I'm doing this, this, and this, and that, right? But then mm -hmm. it's more to that. Yeah. So, like, for example, now, let's talk about culture, right? Oh, gosh. We can put that aspect in it. So, for me, I never had someone say, hey, let's go play some ball. Hey, let's go do this. Let's do I never had that from a male figure. It was always from my peers, my cousins kind of thing. Right. And now as the kids get older, they, for example, we just went to Virgin Islands. My son's like, dad, dad, I want to go fishing. I said, cool, we can do that. We've never done that. 
Mm-hmm. We did. So we that was done, your moment. Yeah, we have done other things, but to have that bond, we have the bond. I know we have the bond, but to say, let's go do this as a father son kind of thing or father daughter kind of thing, it's like it's more recent now because I've been working so much. Now I'm focused mm-hmm. just on work and just making sure that the house is good. And in my mind, thinking about the old school culture, the woman is the one supposed to be taking care of everything else. You see yeah, what I'm saying? If, if we're talking culturally, um, my father actually did the same thing that you and your dad has been doing. He has taken care of the bills. You know, he kind of provides that financial structure. He kind of uh, provides that disciplinary structure, how things are going to go. But yeah. mom actually was the house manager and she managed the children. She managed the money that he would bring home and all those things. Um, and I want to say, you mentioned that you have three kids now, and I want to go back just a little bit sure. because I want to get the details. Walk me through the moment that your wife told you she was pregnant and you were about to be a father. What was that like for you? The first one? First the, kid? The very first kid. She didn't say anything right away. Uh, we uh, just moved in together. I found out way after. What, was she in denial or something or she just I, I would say that and then it's like <laughs> okay so we sat there like in awe didn't say much for a little bit and it's like you know what I'm just gonna deal with it it is what it is right we're together and we're just gonna figure it out together mm-hmm. now was I shocked I won't say shocked I was more like thinking of like okay can I do this what's next what's gonna happen kind of thing right right and then I think that's when my whole demeanor and my whole situation and how I was thinking changed. Like, okay, I need to get a job because I just moved there maybe a couple months um, and I was working to land a different job that pays a little more better. So I just took anything at the time. Right. So now um, one thing that my wife would always say, like, don't worry. I used to worry about everything. Mm-hmm. And as we got older and um, after a few years, she used to make these statements. It's because when you worry is when you start making mistakes and stuff like that. Right. So what I noticed was everything will start falling in line. When that happened, boom, um, Caterpillar called me. Okay. And I was like, okay. And then I got my foot in and then I work and I work and I worked. And then within four months, boom, my first promotion. So then now I'm making the money that I feel that we're comfortable with. Uh-huh. and uh, we was able to move into our bigger apartment at the time. Um, and then fast forward, my daughter, Zana, was born. So she was able to have a little nursery and stuff like that. And then we're good. When she was born is when kind of like that peace, I think the best way to explain uh, it was a peace kind of came over me. Like, okay. that's my daughter. Right. You know what I mean? Like, this is real. This is not like make-believe kind of situation. You know what I'm saying? So it's like when she was born. Is that in the moment that she was born you're talking about? Like right when she came out the birth canal, right when you're staring her in the face, like, wow. It was right between that time and when they put her on the scale. Okay. That's that's what your thoughts were? Yeah. It was like, okay, okay, she's coming out. And then she goes. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm looking at her, looking at my wife and I'm looking at her because <laughs> I'm trying to, because in my mind, it's like, I want to make sure they both are good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and then she was cooking for a little bit. She was past due. <laughs> she, <laughs> she was comfortable. She, yeah, she was comfortable. So when she came out, it's like, um, it did come a little emergency at first, C-section kind of thing. And mm-hmm. um, found out, uh, hey, we got to go to the hospital right then and there. I'll never forget where. I was at work and I can't remember if my wife called or texted me and I don't remember, but all I know, the part I remember is me jumping in that car mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I was going a little, little speed limit. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and then she said, Hey, go get the stuff from our house and da 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 Me, my mom's. So I was like, yeah, we got to go in. Da-da-da-da. She can me to a whole scoop. Sped from East Pier, you know, where it was from East Pier. Mm-hmm. All the way over to the last apartments close to Dunlop before Dunlop starts. That's where we used to stay. Oh, wow. Uh, what's it called? Candle Tree? Over Candle Tree? I think it's Candle Tree was called. Went to the apartment. We already had the go bag packed. Grabbed the bag. I changed from my work clothes and I jumped. And I went I-6. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I six, you can wrap around. It's no stoplight, and I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And at the time, we had a uh, rental, which was a, a, a what's it called, charger. Okay. And I was booking. I was booking <laughs> it. And then when we got there, now it's like got to my mother in law's house. My wife is outside in her car, foot out, chilling, eating Taco Bell. <laughs> like, come on, let's go, let's go. Just like, well, look, I'm good. We got ties. Like, the way you explained to me, not so. <laughs> it so was could, less urgent than yeah, you were. And I was breaking speed limits and stuff like that. So when I finally got her, um, went to the hospital. Uh, Cause she went for a checkup. That's what it was. And the OB was like, she's not liking what she's seeing. So say, Hey, you need to go to the hospital and check in and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even think it was a good hour. We were there. And it was like, uh, we need to induce you now. Oh, I'm like, okay. Me and my wife always want to do natural birth. So we induced and it was there for hours. And then the OB came, she's checking her. Um, and then see how throughout the night happens. I try to remember did her water broke that night or that morning? I can't remember. It was in between those times. And then um, they had to monitor on her stomach to check the vitals of the baby. And they realized every time she had a contraction, baby vitals would drop. Oh. And they were like, uh, I'm here not sleeping. I'm tired. And she's like, no, I take a nap. I was like, no, I want to make sure you're good. And then fast forward, boom, had to do an emergency C-section. And as soon as my daughter came out, the biblical cord was wrapped around her neck. Oh, my goodness. And that's when I was like, she came out. She wasn't saying nothing for a minute. And my wife was like, uh, I can't remember the whole scoop. But all I know is watching her. They took the political cord off. And then a couple of minutes later, she started crying. Oh, and was that like, was the moment like you could just release. Yeah, because it's like at the time, I want to make sure both was good. Because mm-hmm. I'm seeing my wife on the table, can't move. She's hooked up to all these machines. And then they're cutting her you know and blood and stuff like that i'm like yo what the hell you know what i mean <laughs> but long story short um she was good she was almost nine pounds wow she, she, she was a little chub chub she's a big girl yeah she stayed yeah. in and got them extra crumbs mm-hmm. <laughs> so she came out good um my wife was okay um wrapped her up i cut the umbilical cord it kind of wrapped her up in a blanket bring her over she can see her full head of hair and then um, we're all good after that. It's now me rolling out with her in the little stroller thing. Um, that's when my mother-in-law was out there and some other folks. And that's when they saw her. So we were heading to the NICU um, to weigh her. And then it's when they weighed her and she was sideways kind of looking at me. And that's when I was like split an image. And I was like, yep. And then my mother-in-law, she said, yep, that's your daughter. Yep. <laughs> um, so that's when I was able to, I guess, relax a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to recovery, um, and saw my wife and she was good. And then, and that's how it was. It's like, I stayed and she had to stay in the hospital for a little bit. Right. And I would be there for, I would like not sleep. And I went home, took a shower, went to work from work, took a shower, straight to the hospital. Like every moment I was there. Oh, absolutely. And then coming home, it's like, no, that's our baby. That's our daughter. Um, she was like, Hey, a little, I think what they call a little Winnie the Pooh. Um, <laughs> and it's like, when you looked at her, yeah. Cause she's like a little chub chub. And it's like, <laughs> as she came home, I never forget my mom sent some stuff and it was actually Winnie the Pooh stuff. <laughs> that, is, that is hilarious. The, the first picture as her being home was in a Winnie the Pooh outfit, the <laughs> shoes, even the blanket. And it was like, yeah. <laughs> but now it's like okay she's home and like believe it or not like everywhere we go she's with her and everybody's like oh she's so cute and da 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 and the times I remember is when she was able to talk and walk more uh, I think by the time we bought our house um, she was always with me if she wasn't with her mom um, if I'm not at work if I'm home going somewhere just to go down the street she was always with me always Mm-hmm. Um, and then she would see me and stuff like that. And yeah, she was my firstborn. Yeah, and I always wanted a girl. Right. My wife wanted a boy. Now, when you were going to the hospital to get her delivered, you were about out of hell. How was that car ride back home? Now that 
mom and baby was okay and you could relax a little more. Were you scared? Man, so see, I make sure the car seat was good. I double check it, triple check it. Um, and then on the ride home, we were cruising. <laughs> see, you are relaxed now. You're like, yeah, you relax. good. Doing yeah. the limit. Pretty much. And then uh once that's we're still in the apartment at the time. Yeah. Got to the apartment. My wife was home for a little bit. And that's when I started going back to work. Mm-hmm. And like the part that I love and I kind of as even though with the first and even the twins, is that moment of coming home. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, I can be having the worst day ever. And as I come home, and you see that smile and they say, Hey daddy, or they would just put their hands up to me. It, that's, that's where the cherry on the top is. Like back then when I was younger, you know, I had to get older, like, and they act like they don't want to do with you, but yeah. you barely but, get a wave. <laughs> you better get a, you barely get a, Hey dad. <laughs> and uh, now it's just hanging out. Hey, what you got? For me? <laughs> right. See, now let's go back to when you, the twins were born when you found out that she was pregnant the second time. But mm-hmm. let's go to the moment where you found out it was twins. What was that like? Oh, now I remember this one because it's, it's iconic on this one. So um, fast forward, we're married now, right? So we got married um, a few years after we had Zana. So moved into our house. Uh, Zana was three or four. Um, and then the following year, uh, got married and a year after, uh, I was getting ready for work and I'm like, looking at my wife, I was like, a little glow. She's like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I remembered that glow from when she was pregnant with our first daughter. You were like, uh oh, so you pregnant? She looked at me, she's like, mm-mm. <laughs> uh, and this was the day before Valentine's day. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting dressed cause I was going back on second shift that same week. So she took the test. She went upstairs and left it there. And then I came out getting dressed, looking at it, looking at it. And she's like, let me know. And I looked at it, looked at her. And I said, congratulations. She said, not playing. I said, I ain't playing. <laughs> <laughs> so when I gave it to her, she like, her eyes open. She's like, no. I said, yeah. She's the, so the next day she set the appointment. Went to the OB. You know, they did a little stroke thing. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to say I'm professional. I know how the process goes. Go in. And when she... Made that turn. I saw one. I'm like, okay. And then she turned again. I'm like, nah, it ain't two. <laughs> and my wife, I looked at her. I was like, and she's like, well, congratulations. You guys having twins. And I'm like, nah, you just, she said, I've learned not to joke about this stuff anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's when we found out um, officially what we were having, like the number amount. The day before was actually Valentine's Day. So Valentine's Day is when we took the test. We found out. The next wow. day we did the official. So wow. I just had enough time to walk back to the car and she drove her car because I knew how to, how to go to work. So that was a shocker. But I remember when they said it, it was like twins. We looked at each other. She's like, we need a bigger house. I was like, yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We need a bigger house for sure. Now that you're a father of three now, does the parenting get any easier? I don't think so. Because like with twins or any kids, you create routines, right? Right. But as they get older, their personality is changing to what they want to be. So now you got to learn to adapt. Um, but once you create that, I guess that structure, rules and regulations for home that everyone needs to follow, I guess that part makes it a little more easier, but kids can still be kids. You know what I mean, right. but it's like, I don't take it easier. It's just different, different. You got to be able to Mm -hmm. like right now I'm 42 and it's still a challenge. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's still a challenge. Yeah. My kids are adults and it's still a challenge. (laughs) It's still a challenge. So let the listeners know how old your kids are. All right. So Zyana, she's the oldest. She's 14. Okay. And then I have, uh, she's a junior, which is named after me and Zaya. They're nine. So Zana's going to be 15 in November and the twins are going to be 10 in August. That's a milestone. So I remember she wanted to move in. Not that we know we can get twins. Like, can we get them out of diapers first? And uh, I remember she said a few times, I was like, because it's (laughs) 
twins. The reason why I was hesitant is, for example, Zana, we had in-laws to help us, right? Yeah, she never went to daycare, like never. Mm-hmm. Never got sick like that either. Mm-hmm. Now, but the twins, we moved. So we had no in-laws, no help. So then they had to go to daycare. Right. Which is expensive. And then they're more exposed and they were always getting sick. And so mm-hmm. it was a completely opposite of how she was. But it's still enjoyable to me. I said, being able to come home, for me, when mm-hmm. I come home and they're there or go pick them up from the daycare and they see you and they run to you, daddy, those little things like that is peace for me. Yeah, it changes your world. And it's like, now let's think about my change now. Mm-hmm. So you may not know, April was my last day with Caterpillar, April 13th. Really? Yes. I haven't said much to much people. So April 13th was my last day with Caterpillar, which was almost 15 years. Wow. Right? And that dynamic change has opened my eyes to a whole lot of things I realized I was doing where I was looking at, okay, work, 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 make mm-hmm. sure the house is good, come home, chat for them a little bit, and then just do my own thing. Now that I'm home, I decided to not go back into the working world for a minute. It kind of changed my aspect when it comes to, as your topic, we're talking about fatherhood, mm-hmm. fatherhood, husband, a man, or whatever you want to call it at. Now I can actually see my kids. Yeah. Because before I've never seen them in the morning. I have to leave the house at four o'clock every day. Right. I don't get home till six. So it allows you to be more of a present father in their life. More involved, understand each individual's dynamic. Right. right. So I was able to take them to school every day. I was able to pick them up now. I was able to take them to functions I couldn't even make it to sometimes. And, and so that's why I'm kind of enjoying it. You know what I'm saying? So as a father or any upcoming father or any current father, it's like try your best to be in your kid's life, regardless if you're together with your mom or not. Right. Exactly. But we know and there's a flip side becomes some of that where you're not allowed to spend time with your kids but any opportunity you have is like try because once that time is gone it's gone you can't get it it back and it goes really quickly so what do you think of the myth that uh, presents that black fathers don't exist they're not dedicated they're not leading their homes they're not leading their families what do you think about that myth i think it's how they were brought up it's how they were brought up most most black men i want to say all there were some black men grew up in an all-female home. And so it's you true. think that dynamic um, doesn't give them the substance and the lessons that they need nope. to really be strong men in those homes? I believe it doesn't. Because, like, most of the time, that is not there. It's, like, literally not there. Wow. So now there's a caveat to that. Now, it's, it might not, there's some dads not physically there, but they're still there for the kids. Right. Right? But... Society makes it seem that that aspect of it is really low, but actually it's big, right? But most of the time, there's not a male figure in the home for any kid. It doesn't matter if it's a male or female child. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying the boy or the boy at the time, before he comes a man, it can only do what he understands based on what he's seen and what he grew up in. And it's like, you're thinking so, oh, no dad oh okay you know what i'm saying so it, it changes kids differently not all the same each kid right. will adapt differently but it does affect every child it's just based on what the effect is it's how the outcome is right i agree how much are you guiding your children's path versus letting them find their own way we had a conversation oh, i was talking about that sometime back we used to do that I'm going to say, because generations change, right? Right. You have to build a foundation so they can understand what's right from wrong and stuff like that. But to force them to what you believe they should be doing in life as they get older, it causes rebellion, number one, mm-hmm. or in regret and stuff like that. So what we've been doing lately was um, we explain life. So it depends on what happened on the news. And my wife does it a lot. And she explained, okay, this is what happened. This is what he do. And this is right and this is wrong. So what we've been doing lately is like, okay, we can 
build a foundation, explain if you go this route, this is the possibility you can do like for going to school, stuff like that. And we realize every child doesn't learn the same or understand the same. So for example, if college is there, college is there, we'll help you with the college. Now there's some kids um, that got it's get older where off the bat they're entrepreneurs. So we realize it's whatever path, whatever you want to do in life, we'll support you no matter what. Right. Right. So I realized the generation now, that's how they are. And it's like, if you keep trying to force them to, or mold them to what you think they should be, nine times out of 10, it's just going to be a backlash. Not in a, say, a negative way in some aspects, but it's like, you got to allow them to grow into what they believe is the right thing for them so, to do. And I agree with that. So in saying that, what exactly are you telling them? Like you're pouring into them. So what exactly are you telling them? What are you instilling in them to keep them going? Uh, so right now, school. It's, it's, the main thing is schooling. Mm -hmm. That's key for us. Um, one thing about my wife, she's heavy on that, and I love her for that. So we do not let up on school right now because got to graduate from high school, number one. And you got to be able to comprehend and understand what you learn in school into your life. Mm -hmm. So we focus on that mainly. And then we talk about whatever happens in the world. And then what we do is explain to them the importance of understanding things, reading things to not be taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I can say about my daughter, the oldest one, she's like, all the stuff we've been doing explain to her and exposing her to, she has a conscious and brain to think for herself, right? Mm -hmm. If she doesn't like something, she'll flat out tell you, I don't like that. That's great. Right? So long as you're, you say you're outspoken, but not disrespectful, it's all good, right? Because everyone's thought and process is different. We can say, oh, you can only do A, B, and C. And then they were like, so why can't I do CBA? Right or ACB. So they will question that, especially our baby girl twin. She's hundred percent her mom, <laughs> like identical thought process, the whole nine yards. So she will question you. Why do I have to do it this way? I'm with her. So that's how you look at it. It's like, okay, now they understand to keep that personality, that foundation they have now. So when they get older, we know for a fact, they're not going to be taken advantage of, but they still know they can call mom and dad. Exactly. Right? So that stuff is like what we've been doing for, for a few years now. And for example, the kids are out of school and we don't let them slack off too much on school, even though that's summer break. Cause we realize when they go back to school in August, it's like they're starting right back over again. Right. So the past few years, when they start going back to school, it's like now they're ahead. Now they're okay. So they're not so far behind. So it's like, um, for example, they call from school. They eat something for a little bit, um, they do their homework, and then they can do what they need to do after. The rule is do your homework, then you have free time. Not free time, then homework. So stuff like that. And then uh, my wife reads to them every night. Um, if she's not reading, they will read. That's good. That's every day, even the weekends. That's so, really good. My father was one of those people that didn't believe summer was for fun either. <laughs> he felt that summer was for individual learning. So he would always ask the school on purpose to give us all the workbooks that, you know, may not have been used. And he would have the older sisters teach the younger ones. So mm -hmm. we had school all the time, every summer. So when school started back up, we never had that, well, you know, you, how you have to write that story. What did I do over the summer break? We had yeah. school over the summer. So I hated that assignment. Yeah. So we, we give them some freedom, right? It's like, we don't give them the heavy work like they do during the school period. But summertime mm -hmm. it's like, um, low workbooks or at least read 30 minutes a day. Yeah. Right? And that's fine. Uh, so stuff like that. I mean big ups to my wife, man. It's like, she is the head of that. Like when I met her, she's always been in her books, school and stuff like that. This is like when she started doing it, I was like, okay. And then you, after a while you see the improvement and changes for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it definitely first, shows up. yeah, first it, you know, you know, I read and then it would just came through it. Now it's like, 
their fluency of how they pronounce certain things is way better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, and like, like now she bought like two boxes of books. <laughs> Showed oh up. Oh my goodness. Um, so I know I got to get some bookshelves. So now we have no more room for the books. So I got to get, uh, I think, two more bookshelves. Well, that's good, though. You know, you have to really keep their mind sharp. You have to let them know, hey, education is important. And especially as Black children in society, you know, this is the standard. It's like now a bachelor's degree is not good enough. You have to get that master's. You have to get that doctorate. So, you know, instilling that and planting that seed while they're young is absolutely necessary. And it seems like your wife and yourself, you guys really uh, co-parent very well. What do you think is the most important thing for effective co-parenting? Communication. I agree. Communication. Uh, I still struggle with that because sometimes she will say something. It might be that sentence, but she means this. <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, I can't read your mind, baby. I can't. So, and she would explain it. You better come um, in there with your wife to English dictionary, okay? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Like like today we went hiking. She said, oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was like, no, nah, no, nah, you're taking a break. She was like, go ahead, go ahead. I'll catch up. I said, no, nah. I was like, I can't do that. You're, I'm going to make sure you're okay. I can't leave you by yourself in the middle of the woods. And then she looked at me. She said, don't you think I want you to walk ahead so that I can motivate me so I can keep going? I said, don't you think I'm waiting to? And I told her my reasoning. Mm-hmm. To make sure you're okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. So I'm like, all right. So stuff oh, like God. that. Sounds like me and Ivan on the trail. He's like, are you all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Just keep going. But you have to protect her. Yeah. So that's what my mindset was. Yeah. But communication is key. Number one, being able to compromise and you have to understand from each other's point of view. Right. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you want to, you know, end up to the same goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And different personalities, you know, you guys may have different routes that you would like to take to get to that end goal. But Mm -hmm. some people sit there and they nitpick over what the other person's thinking is. But as a married couple, you have to really say, hey, it looks like we're both coming to the same goal. We want the same end goal. So it doesn't matter how we get there so long as we get there. So, you know, that that kind of saves marriages sometimes. Now, I want to segue a little bit to the community podcast, your baby. Mm-hmm. You are the brainchild behind that. What was the reasoning in starting that? Why did you feel it was important? Uh, I think for me is not seeing us talking about mental health in the Black community. I haven't, I don't see it as often. So for me, I created um, my channel originally as a safe haven, as a getaway from the hustle bustle world, be yourself, not get judged, some sort of temporary kind of peace. You know what I'm saying? So, right. so it's, it's a lot of people out there where they don't know how to interact. I don't know how to ask for help or be able to be themselves without being judged. So for example, the streaming community is huge. A lot of people don't realize that when someone comes into your stream, number one, right? You don't know where their mindset is, right? I agree. And when you can communicate with them through chat or they just literally just sitting there watching you and listening to you and you can say one thing where it allows them to feel better. So I told myself, you know, when I created this, it's like, I kind of created it for me. It's still for me. But if I can at least be a positive light for one person every time I go live, then I accomplish a goal. So then the podcast thing has always been there. I keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get it. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. So, and that's when I reached out to you and the other guys. Um, and believe it or not, that first one we had, there was a lot of positive outcome from that. There was a lot of people that was reached out and say, hey, man, I appreciate you doing this. You helped me a lot. So that's, to me, what it's about. Absolutely. You know what I mean? That's amazing. I didn't know that you had received the feedback. Because yeah, I'm not it. streaming. I could barely keep up with the technology. <laughs> so it's like one of those situations where it can be that one word you say or that one phrase you say, one sentence you say with that one person might take, like, oh, man, 
it's good. I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you being there for me and stuff like that. And I don't do it for um, recognitions because when I have certain conversations, it's something that I am part of or I am going through or whatever it is. So I can talk about it because I'm in it or I've been through it. Exactly. One thing I don't like is when you listen to someone talk about something that they never went through before. Exactly. And how can you really speak on something that you have not experienced yourself? You know, it's a relatable topic. And unfortunately, in the Black community, we have always been taught to keep your business in the household. And we have always been taught that God will heal everything. You know, oh, oh, you're just crazy or you can control it. But sometimes you just can't. You know, sometimes you just can't. And sometimes you just need somebody to help you figure out your stuff. Because when you keep things really bottled up like that, it just takes one person to say the wrong thing and boom, you blow yep. up. And then that's me. That's how I used to be, man. Like, um, I'm not perfect, but like, I'm one of those is like, I never used to say much and I would just hold everything in for so long. And the persons that you lash out to are the ones you're not supposed to lash out to. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, and once it happens, you can't take it back. You could only apologize and move on, but yeah, it's already out. So that's why, like, the main reason, as I said, for this channel that I have is, like, to create for that environment, for that community where you can come in here and be yourself, but, of course, be positive. Right. If you have questions or concern and stuff like that. So, for example, see, for my change I did to my channel is on every few minutes on the top, um, if you're looking at the screen, it's going to be top right side. There's a hotline number on there. Mm. so it's for anyone that needs help doesn't matter what the issue is could be mental drug abuse alcohol abuse whatever it is you call a number and you'll always get a live person that's awesome so i'm saying it, it, like if you can't get a hold of someone here you can at least call that number and, and, and sometimes you just need somebody to talk to somebody objective that you know is not going to judge you because they don't know you they don't know you personally it's always easier to talk to a stranger than it is to talk to your own family So what message do you want to give to men about being vocal about their mental health? Yeah, I think that's the difficult part in men in that situation. So if you're going through something, the number one issue, man is is not going to reach out to anybody off the bat, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to keep it to themselves and say, I'm going to deal with it on my own. Yeah. Eventually, it depends on the situations. You have to seek help. So... I can talk about me. Like when I get to those, like I can say recently, let's say last year into this year, is when I kind of understand what mental health issues are, anxiety, and it's only now I understand it. Mm-hmm. So for years I've been having the issue, but I never knew that was the issue. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So now that I understand it, I'm not a professional or anything. Now that I know what those dynamics or feelings or what's going on with me now, now I know how to address it, right? Right. So the key thing is for men, like if you have a good brother, not your actual blood brother or anything like that, someone that you always confine in or talk to and they always give you the truth. If you have that solid person, reach out and say, hey, I'm going through this and I just need some advice. What do you think about it? But that person always have to be the one that's always truthful for you as always. Can't can't be someone like one of your homies like, yeah, 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 you know, kind of thing. Yeah, somebody that's productive. Um, Correct. Mm -hmm. So if you can find someone in your domain or professional that you can have some conversations with, start off that way. Um, But your community, I think most communities have those things. It's just people don't talk about it, right? We can go into a place and have a conversation and stuff like that. So always seek help in anything because sometimes you might ball it up. So I'll figure it out on my own. And sometimes you don't, sometimes you do. Right. Right. But in my mind, you got to seek that help, have that peace of, I mean, be able to find peace. I think that's the key thing too. So like hobbies is another thing too. So for me, music uh, was always my hobby to be out, to be able to get away from things. Um, It still is the streaming thing and once in a while i'll get into discord and kind of talk to the guys as well so find whatever that piece is but make sure it's the right piece like an outlet 
Yeah. Yeah. So like in Georgia for me, uh, we moved to Georgia. Uh, my outlet, I used to go to the range on Fridays for an hour or two, just go out there and just be by myself and shoot down the range for a couple hours and then come home. So that was part of it. Then the other one was music for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then come to Texas, of course, got more busier work. So I didn't have time to do that. But find time for yourself. If it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, find time for yourself to be able to, people say meditate. Meditate can be right. anything. It can be just going outside for a walk or um, putting headphones in your ear and listen to your favorite um, artist for an hour like that or sit in the back patio or um, call one of your homies or something. Yes. And, and as you're saying, find time to love yourself. Correct. Give yourself yeah. some self-love, self-care. Yeah. And I never used to do that. It's only recently now as I'm 42. Yeah. And regroup. only now I'm doing this. <laughs> you you know, know what I'm saying? Me too. You know, me too. Because just like you, when you start having kids, it's not about you. And nope. when the kids need something, you have to get it for them. Yep. You know, so you're always the last person on your own list of, of care. And so, yeah, when you told me you went on a guy's trip, I'm like, man, I have never been on a girl's trip. You got to do it. My wife been doing it for a minute. I'm like, oh, guys, guys, guys trips. But I've never seen it until I started really looking into it. I was like, oh, so when I got invited last year was the first one in Atlanta. I had a ball. I was like be able to hang out with like minded men. And y'all talked and we talked discussed we man things. Yeah. Oh, wow. So y'all got deep. We, I mean, this like I'm the newbie to the group. These guys knew okay. each other from back in the day, back in school. So they know each other longer than me. OK. So they know everything about each other and, not in, you know, so we have conversations. So now this trip now, uh, we was in uh, Fort Lauderdale, um, some things happened and we had to have a family discussion between each other where, look, yeah, what you did was wrong, man, and stuff like that. So if you're able to have those conversations yeah. and be able to see from other points of views, it's good. Instead of like, oh, I, don't, I don't hear what you want to, you know what I'm saying? It's like the typical man would be like, we're shut down. Nah, I don't want to talk about it. And that's how I used to be, mm-hmm. right? So being able to have a conversation with a, a male figure in your life and to say, hey, Dick can point and say, hey, man, you messed up. Yeah. What you did was wrong. Hold him accountable. You know what I'm saying? And be able to take that in and realize, yeah, I'll take that wrong. I'll, my bad. My, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Being able to do that in that circle and then go out to the world and understand, okay, I make sure I can't do something like that anymore. So that's why I like, if you have the opportunity to um, hang out with same like money males or whatever it is, just do it. Or if you want to do a trip by yourself, then do it. You have to find that me time. It doesn't matter if it's 15, 20, 30 minutes, an hour or whatever, because it's, it's like a reset. Exactly. It is. And that's much, much needed. And, um, and like you said, self-care is mental health care. Mm-hmm. And we have to really keep tying that back because um, when you need that time, only you can understand why you need that time. You know, so before we close, um, of course, we're talking about fatherhood and we're talking about the dynamics between fathers and their children and men and their fathers. Um, And of course, I always end with a question for the guys, and we've had some discussions on where some women do keep their children away from their fathers, and it's those fathers that actually want to be in their kids' lives. What advice would you give women who feel the need to exclude men from their children's lives? I have to be careful with my words on this one. In my mind, regardless of what's going on, it's 100% wrong, Mm -hmm. like a thousand percent wrong, Especially if the father is trying to spend time with their child or kids. Mm-hmm. So you're holding grudges or something he did to you and you're using the kids as a bargaining chip or whatever. Right. Saying so you're trying to hurt him in reality, you're hurting the kids. Exactly. But I said, if the father is 100% trying to spend time with their kid or kids, you just should not stop that. Because I've seen stuff where, what's the word? Be polite with, just they're being bitter. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, then there's again, a lot, there's a lot of bitter and hurt women out here. A lot of bitter. But then again, you look at some of these situations is a culture thing too. If you go back in generations with them or the environment they live in, I've mm-hmm. seen where, um, I forgot where it was at. There's a bunch of women living in the area. No dads. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what they used to. But then you got these dads coming to spend time with, the, you know, oh, who you've been with. It's none of your concern is like, I'm here to spend time with my kid or kids. And then they would throw things in their face or do things where, oh, you can't see a kid today. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I've seen so much stuff where it's just ridiculous. Like the guy ain't do nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I hear you and I see it myself and I think uh, exactly what you're saying. You know, the whole point of this fatherhood series is to get the male perspective on fatherhood and we want to hold the fathers accountable and we also want to hold the mothers accountable because in the end we're adults we can get over it we can move past it the only people that are hurting in this are these kids Mm -hmm. they get lost in it because it's happening while they're young it's happening while they can't make these decisions on their own People that are making the decisions for them are fighting and not making the right choices. And sometimes those women are not seeing the damage that they're starting within those children because they're not going to speak out. They're going to act out. Mm. And then when they go to be grown men and women, now you've given them daddy issues or mommy issues, depending on what side of the fence their mental health lands on, because they could resent the mother for doing all these things. But depending on what she's telling them about the father, then they can resent the father because maybe just thinking that the father didn't want them or they didn't want to be around. So Yeah, and it most of the time it's the other way around. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's dads out there. They're not with the mom anymore, right? Regardless of the situation. But there's some dads out there that wants to be in their kid's life 100%. Yeah. But they're not allowed to. Regardless, yeah. I mean, look at some of the moms purposely doing that to hurt yeah. them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's very sad. Um, but I appreciate your response. Thank you for your time. I thank you for being candid and open and sharing your story of your fatherhood and um, your relationship with your father. I think um, it is a very relatable story. Um, it is very insightful and so refreshing to hear the male perspective. And I appreciate speaking with you today, Clyde. (laughs) Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks again for holding space with me and uh, we will wrap up and we will talk soon. All right. Appreciate it. Take care. Peace and blessings. Thank you for joining this episode of the Save Our Sisters Unplugged podcast. Hopefully you found it to be inspiring and you've received great information you can use in your daily life. If you've enjoyed this episode, Please show your sis some love by subscribing on Anchor, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please don't forget to rate and review. We're on Instagram at SaveOurSisters underscore 2020 and check out our YouTube page. If you would like to continue the conversation, join our Save Our Sisters group on Facebook. Until next time, sis, and remember to love yourself.